welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. Welcome on in back to the Sports Buffoon Studios over here. We got our boys, the full clan here, Tanner Dawson, Jason JG, and Mike Settle running it. What's going on, guys? What's going on, everybody? What up, yo? What up, indeed? How was your guys' Easter, by the way, on Sunday? You know, it was actually really nice. Great weather. It wasn't too bad. Um, the wind was blocked for the majority of the time and got to watch some Royals game. You did, the, did you say the Wiggles? The Wiggles, yes. I got to watch the Wiggles. <laughs> the, uh, the Wiggles. Okay. And that was uh, also great. I mean, it's just about as great as the Royals you losing. Have a, so. You have a six, or you have a one-year-old, I should say. I figured maybe she's watching the Wiggles. No, already. we're not watching the Wiggles. No Wiggles, all right. Well, first of all, the Wiggles suck. I would never <laughs> drag my three-and-a-half-year daughters through that bullshit. But um, yeah. we, we did hunt some Easter eggs. Yep. So you can never go wrong with that. What is, what is the best prize in an Easter egg whenever you go hunting for them? Money? Well, is it chocolate? I mean, it all depends. When you're when you're poor like me, you know, I, I we don't we just put money in there, but it's mm. usually like a couple of bucks. Yeah, but my you know my daughter nice. she loves it because she gets to go buy toys with all the money. So yeah, I got you on that. Yeah, that's fair. You're fair. I went and hung out with the gals' uh, family actually over the weekend, so that's what we did for a while, and that was a good old time hanging out, getting to sit outdoors. With, uh, you know, going through this COVID experience, hanging out with the family, people feeling good about being out and about again. It's springtime. The weather's nice. Um, so, you know, what can go wrong at this point, right? Hopefully nothing. Um, I did have a my coworker actually mention that he did an Easter egg hunt with some friends, but it was an adult toy Easter egg hunt. I mean, oh, what, what do you guys think about that? Hiding, going to your backyard and hiding you know sex toys in the backyard is that something you guys would be into i i actually like the idea That's of that weird, although it, for me personally you guys know instead of the sex toys i would probably have casino chips hiding in there casino That's chips That's although you would never toys. give those away those are your prized possessions oh yeah yeah i never <laughs> so. give away the casino <clears throat> chips tanner if you were to open up an easter egg and it had a sex toy in it <laughs> which sex toy would you would you hope you get yeah i don't know okay that would be awesome with you. i got nothing all right, well, with all that said, Tanner, thanks for your input. Let's move on to Baylor Bears versus Gonzaga Bulldogs. So, uh, Tanner, you have a lot of input for this game. <laughs> and it happened on Monday, April 5th. Baylor ended up coming, or they didn't come back, but I mean, that feels like they come, came back because the, the season they had was a little up and down at times, I think. They weren't, they, people didn't believe in them the way they should have been believed in. Correct. And they proved everyone correct. wrong as a number one seed, and they were where they deserved to be beating an undefeated 31-0 Gonzaga. So what are your thoughts on the game in general? It was a blowout, in my opinion. It was a blowout. Baylor obviously proved that they were the better team. They were by far the superior team in that talent-wise as well. Now, that was a stupid fast game. Guys, I don't know about you, but the way they were going up and down the court, it was basically whoever could contain themselves the quickest and be able to get the shots off. Uh, Baylor, of course, went on a shooting spree from three, and that's what really, I mean, that's their game, is once they get going, you're not going to stop them. And Gonzaga's game is inside, and they they just couldn't get anything going. They had multiple people with four fouls throughout the game, pretty much. Um, and it was it, it's kind of what we were talking about early in the year, about Gonzaga. Are they a true team? They're, Baylor was playing teams like KU and other teams, but Gonzaga, they played KU the beginning of the season, you had, what, maybe USC, UCLA, and BYU as your main team. And they didn't get the chance to play Baylor early in the season. So it it wasn't as surprising as it seems, but it was uh, pretty unfortunate for a Gonzaga season to end up like that. Yeah, so we need to talk about a couple of different things. We had a few things going on with this game, but I'm going to disagree with you, Tanner, right off the bat. And I, I don't think we talked about this before on the show, but it would be a good time to bring it up. Uh, Baylor was not the better team game. They won the game. But as we all know, in the NCAA, it's one and done. So we all know that when you play in, like, for example, the NBA, they have seven-game series. Yeah. So in the NBA, the best team always wins. It's not so in the NCAA. Just because one team had one good game, such as Baylor, does not make them 
the better team. More importantly, what really happened in this game is the fact that, you know, and I, I've said it before, I think, on this show, is the fact that this is basically the 2007 New England Patriots where they went undefeated. They're, they're trying to accomplish something that is impossible, and they just couldn't, they couldn't get it done. And so it's much like the New England Patriots. You win every single game. You run out of gas at the end of the year. But I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that Baylor was the better team. It was a one-game playoff. And I think if they played even a three-game series or a five-game series, I think Gonzaga wins the series, no problem. I think Jason's actually right about this. I want to give a little input on that, though, because if you look at some percentages – uh, a lot of it came down to, as a phrase we like to use in, in hockey, shots on goal. And Baylor had 67 field goals compared to 49 for Gonzaga. So then again, the percentage-wise, 51% but, for Gonzaga and 44 for Baylor. But who shot more? That's where you're... Baylor shot more. That's my yeah. point, shots on yeah. goal. So my point is, Baylor had more opportunities to shoot more for more points. Uh-huh. So it's almost like trying to pick up girls in the dating game. You're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So in this case, Gonzaga just didn't take enough shots in this in this situation. They might have played too conservative. But does that mean Whoa. that they were the... Oh, they didn't play conservative. I well, can tell you that right now. I mean, if I'm looking at the you're stats right at, now. Baylor's offense dominated as far as just getting yeah. aggressive down the court. Who, who had more rebounds? More total rebounds by far, Baylor. Okay, well, there you go. Why? 38 because to 22. Baylor gave themselves more opportunity. Gonzaga, they just couldn't contain the inside, and that's what their game is. Baylor is a top-notch team. They've been the, the whole entire time. They had the COVID stint. They were a lot healthier going into the um, But Baylor, I mean, Baylor showed what they were and why they were supposed to be number one the entire year. Shun the non-believers, though, because Mike Suttle right here picked Baylor versus Gonzaga yeah, true. a month ago to be in there at the, as the finals there for the NCAA championship. Now, I did, I did pick Gonzaga to win, but you guys were over there hating on Baylor, it seemed like. And I was like, no, this is a good pick, and I think. The, the only reason we were hating, I was hating on Baylor, was because they didn't get to play Gonzaga earlier in the year. They didn't get to play three, I believe it was three games of the Big 12 Conference. Like, they didn't get the chance to prove themselves. And, it, it, you know, as a come, uh, college sport, I, I enjoy the basketball time. And it was just really unfortunate to see Baylor not get tested. Uh, throughout the year, and they just kind of had a schedule. You got to the title. Do you game. believe what Jason said, Tanner, about if they played five game series? Baylor blows them out all through all five wow. games. Interesting. I, That's a hot take, I think. It, it is a hot take. I love Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I love their coach. They had great players, and they're going to return next year. They're going to be a dominant team again. But I'm hoping that they're able to get those key games in throughout the year to see where they are, a.k.a. your Baylor game early in the season. Right? The KU was a nice start, yeah, but that was the like first game. KU was still trying to – didn't even know what they had, really. Uh, the Baylor game would have been perfect because Baylor was already dominating teams. So hopefully Gonzaga uh, gets those games next year and that helps them through the tournament. But I am not uh, – like I still think Baylor blows them out. This year, yeah, you're you're giving Baylor way too much credit here, and there's no way in a three or five game series, I just don't see it. Now, I do believe that Baylor is a really great team. I think they're probably easily like one of the best two to three teams in the tournament. But the other thing you had going on this game is the mental aspect, and I'll I'll take it back again to the '07 New England Patriots. Back then, what was the media talking about? What was everybody talking about? how this is an all-time great team. This is the best team of all time. You could throw any team in there. You could have probably thrown the Chiefs in there at the time, and they would have they would have won that game because people get tired of listening to the same old thing over and over again, how this team is so great. Oh, you're never going to beat them. And when you tell a group of guys that you can't do something, they're going to go out and they're going to fucking yep. do it. And that's what Baylor did. And so it's a mental thing. You got one side over here pumping up Gonzaga, saying, oh, they're so great. They're so great. You're never going to beat them. You could throw a lot of teams in there. They would have done the same thing to Gonzaga. In fact, in my opinion, when Gonzaga ran into that buzzsaw called UCLA, if UCLA would have somehow pulled that off, UCLA would have beaten Baylor. Uh, That's how good UCLA it's not a stretch, a stretch, Tanner. It's not a stretch. It's all I, about the human side and the mental aspect. I, 
I think if Gonzaga doesn't have that UCLA game before Baylor with enough time to to rest, to to really, you know, have a what Baylor did at Houston helped Baylor out tremendously. I'm just saying, dude, uh, Gonzaga got lucky. Now, uh, you, you know how was that not a lucky shot? You guys both watched the game. Oh, that you know, so yeah. was that a lucky shot? Do you really believe that Gonzaga deserved to be in the national championship game? Because I don't. I think UCLA deserved to be in the national championship, and I believe they would have beaten Baylor. We'll never know, but th- this is just the way that it played out. But you can't sit here and tell me that that wasn't the lucky one of the luckiest no, that shots was, you've ever seen in your life. That's what, but that's what NCAA tournament balls all around. Is all it is, lucky and shots. that's. But you're making my point for me. That's why we need to at least in the national championship game. And I've been saying no, this for years. That's no fun. I dude. don't want to see it in the final. That's four. no fun. I don't want to see in the final four, but in the national championship game. You want game, a best out of three? I want a best out of three so that wow. you'll have a better chance of the best team winning the series. No, there's no fun in that. It's, I mean, it'd be great to extend the season, yes, but that's the beauty of the tournament. Game. You lose, you go home. You lose, you go home. I, I think that would defeat the tournament, and I, I think that would well, hurt it. You guys, we have a lot of, to debate about today, as a matter of fact. So. That is probably step one of our three to four step series here of debates coming up, I think, today. Um, so the main thing I care about as far as for right now is the kickoff to the baseball season. The Kansas City Royals are now sitting at three and two on the season with another game coming up starting at uh, looks like 310 Central Time on Thursday. So if you're listening here on Thursday morning, then be prepared for Brad Keller to be hitting the mound to make up for that 40 earned run average from his first game at pitching. So. Um, but I did I did have something about today's game that bothered me. Uh, I think this is a good Royals team right now. I think it's going to be a fun team to watch over the course of the season. The offense looks like it has a lot of potential to be terrific. Whip Merrifield has three bombs and nine ribbies already. So, uh, I mean, batting 400 right now. So, I mean, the guy's off to a hot start, but what else do you expect from Whip Mer- Merrifield? He's the most consistent player on this team, and he has been that for the last, I think, three years running now. So, he is the true leader of the team. Right. Got anything for it? No, I mean I, I I like I like what the the offense is doing so far. I mean you got Witt batting 400, you got Isbell batting 294, Michael Taylor's at 400, Nicky Lopez 438. It's interesting to me how like besides Witt, the seven, eight, and nine hitters have the highest averages on the team. Yep. Uh, but it goes back to what we said earlier. I mean the the whole storyline this season is going to be the pitching. And how shitty it's going to be. And, like, I'm not trying to be, like, pessimistic or anything, but I told you guys earlier on the show, like, that rotation is just not very good. It might be mediocre at best, but I don't have high expectations. I mean, we're going to talk about Jacob Junis here in a minute, but I'm sitting here looking at ERAs, and I won't even tell you what Brad Keller's ERA because I'll be embarrassed. But, uh, you know, Mike Miner's got a 6 ERA, and Brady Singer's got a 13 ERA. And uh, Greg Holland, not not that he's, like, one to set the example, has an ERA of 18. Now, these are all going to come down eventually. But how far are they going to come down? So I'm just not buying any of Royals pitching. I'm not buying the rotation. I'm not buying middle relief. I'm not buying a closer. Like, me, they can just... You know, we're 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 it's a crapshoot for the rest of the season because th- this rotation and the pitching staff is just not very good. Uh, so sorry guys, allergies. So real quick guys, uh, to your point about Whit Merrifield, Mike. Whit Merrifield is obviously the best team around, right? Or best person on the team. He's by far. He's, I love him. His leadoff batting is great. He had a rough time today with the umpire. He had multiple calls. Uh, that did not go his way, unfortunately, and they were very questionable. But for Whit Merrifield, he'll be fine. He'll continue to lead the team. He'll still produce. You know, two-hit Whit is going to produce almost every day. Uh, he'll have his bad games like baseball is. Not too concerned about Whit Merrifield. Uh, Jason, your point about the uh, pitching staff, the bullpen and everything. Look, we're not even a weekend. Actually, our weekend. It's a weekend. We're five games yeah. in. Okay. So now we've gone through our whole rotation, and Jacob Junis is, I guess, considered a put-in as a fifth starter right now, but it, that could change. Uh, I think he earned himself a spot in the rotation, in my opinion. He should be a starter. Very well. 
But here's the issue here is Brad Keller, we gotta see we gotta see if we can get me and Keller back like he did when mm-hmm. we brought him up the first The guy has a lot to prove, obviously. I think we all know this, but he had a rough spring training, had a rough first game. Like guys, we're still young in the season. As long as our bats continue to help out. Um and Kyle Zimmer, real quick, big credit to Kyle Zimmer. He was pretty huge in the bullpen. He had three shutout innings the other day on Sunday. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I gotta give that guy props and Scott Barlow. Those guys are really fighting back there. But I'm not, I'm not gonna be overly excited right now. I'm gonna wait to see what happens and see what moves come out. Like we still got guys in the taxi squad ready to bring up. This is not a concern right now. Concern right now is to see reps early on, and then we'll have Mike Matheny make those or make. I, I thought I saw Matheny today pull a Ned Yost. And yeah. I don't know, you're, you're going to be hating on this, but I'm just saying, from a logical standpoint, you don't make this move. Now, the baseball nerds out there are going to disagree with this, but uh, in this situation, the Royals were, you know, they had, it was 2-0 to zero at the time. Perez had just had a bomb. Royals had another run scored. And Junis had went five innings, one hit allowed, no earned runs, and was pulled from the game at 58 pitches at the time. So... I had a problem with that because he pulled him from the game. Jesse Hahn, the relief pitcher, comes in, immediately gives up a two-run bomb. Now the game's 2-2. So at that point, okay, we need the offense to step up again. That didn't happen. In the eighth inning, then we have our 36-year-old uh, relief Holland. pitcher, Greg Holland, come in and then give up the one to steal the deal, and the Royals end up guy. losing 4-2. to two. I think you keep a guy like Jake Junis in there when he's hot. You don't take him out. I don't care what point in the season it is. 58 pitches? Let him sit in there. Let him go another one or two innings. If he runs into trouble, then you can pull him out. But pulling him out at five innings when he's clean like that, I don't do that. It's it's all situational, right? Baseball is a very strategic game. Um, and playing the game and learning the game, it's all very situational. And this was – he probably had a pitch count limit. It was he probably did. 60 pitches. He did about have one. Yeah. But if you're, you better ride the hot hand, though. You don't, you don't it's like do Baccarat it. It's like Baccarat when you got a streak going on. You don't ride care the streak. what point of the season. You don't do it. In the beginning of the season, and especially with a guy that you're getting what are you afraid of? Okay, so you got you got a guy like that it's, in there who's playing terif- terrific, you know, phenomenal. And so, what's the point in pulling him out? What is the point? It's to make sure he doesn't overthrow because you're going to use him relief in two games. I'm saying Junis should be a starter. Junis should I don't be care a about starter. Relief I agree with you, but they don't have a fifth starter in mind. Junis will be out of the bullpen. Outside of when he doesn't start that fifth game, the fifth starter is basically a long bullpen. Relief. So they should have just gone with Brad Keller then instead of Junis in this last game. They also probably should. Have. So if that's, again, the way, if that's their mentality, again, it's a don't situation waste place. a great game from Junis just to have, pull it's, him out when he's at the top of his I, game. I, I can't stress enough. Guys, I know it's weird, but it is a very strategic. The guy's allowed a total of game. three hits now in his innings pitch so far, and no earned runs. The same right. the NFL. Well, I, I'm going to take <laughs> it one step further, Mike. You said that he should be a starter, Jacob Junis. I'll take it a step further. I think he could very well be the ace no, of the rotation. No. Because based on what I've seen so far, and granted, I know you guys keep telling, oh, it's early, his, it's early. His location dirt, was on point so today. I don't care. Like, this is based on what we've seen so far. Like, I don't think it's a stretch to say, okay, by the end of the year, he could be the ace. Because what if these sure. other, other pitchers, or most of them, what if they start to suck? And I, I could go either way on this argument. Like, I understand that you want to save arms. It's a long season, long way to go. But I come out on the side with Mike here because it's so early in the season. Why wouldn't you ride the hot hand? You have nothing to lose. Yeah, it's a long season, which means who cares? I mean, who cares? You just let him throw like 70 pitches. That's exactly my point. So what Play, did finish he the, Get a win. Finish the game So out. he ended up with 58 pit, pitches. He only had 14 pitches in the game on Sunday, I believe it was. Yes. So that's a total of 72 pitches. If it's that early in the year, so, why wouldn't you let him pitch at least one more 72 inning? pitches over the course of three days, guys. Put that in mind. Over the course of three days, 72 pitches. Yeah. yeah. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? I want to see what he's got. When you're this early in the season, yeah, you're you're you know, you don't want to let a guy run out of gas, but well, no, don't, I don't have him throw 110. Got. That'd be stupid. No. Yeah, there's no point in that. Well, but even it probably throwing 85 would be stupid. If but, it's a shutout game and it's 2-0 in the 8th inning, let him roll it. Yeah, to me this is worse than what Ned Yost back in the day. This is far worse than that. I mean, 58 pitches is ridiculous. I agree with especially you, especially when the Royals bullpen has a lot to prove. 
you know, we got old guys back there. We got unproven guys back there. I don't believe in Jesse Hahn. I don't believe in Greg Holland. Yeah, they, Greg Holland might be our new Joaquin Soria. They do have and a I don't lot to deal prove. With, I don't you know, want to deal with You know with what them. they have to prove? They have to prove, do they suck or do they suck really bad? Those are the two things. That, those right. are the two choices. Well, Josh Vernier on 610 seems to think that the Royals' bullpen is their strength of their team. And I'm sorry, well, yeah. Josh. He might be the Royals' expert, but... Did he get the vaccine? Is that why he's coming That's out? That's what it is. Brain fog. Like the that, brain fog is know. kicking in for Josh Vernier, so... That's probably why he's uh, slowing down over there. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we have a lot of games coming up, at least, to worry about. So the good thing about baseball, we have a full season this year. So we have, you know, not only today's game, we have tomorrow's game, the day after's game. So we're back to 162 games, guys. That is exciting to think about. And so, yeah, we had a loss here on Wednesday, but we'll get over it. And hopefully Mike Matheny can get over it, too, and learn we, and we, we adjust. Were, we were also facing the AL Scion. So... Like, we actually put a run on right. this last year. Pitcher's we did duel. not put anything so on So, in a pitcher's guy. duel, don't screw up. Don't bring in a relief guy that we don't know about. Which we we, we think we know about Jesse Hahn. But we, we, when you got your guy rolling with one hit in, a, in five innings, you don't pull him. No. Just don't. It, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough and just to be clear, it's like we all understand on this program what it means to, like, not – let pitchers run out of gas earlier in the year. We don't want them to like throw out their arms. We get that point, but I think you can take that strategy a little bit past the extreme. It's like adjusting and I to think the, that's what to the Mike hands, Matheny right? did. I think he just took it to the extreme. I don't think he needed to. It's, it's was, like when you walk into a shoe, Jason, early. when you look at a shoe, you got to adjust to the shoe. And this is a situation where you right. want to be able to adjust to the situation. Yeah. And you do that in this case because it, the game was 2-0. Your pitcher is dealing and you pull him out to put in a guy that's going to give up a two-run bomb, I mean, so that's, lot, that's just not so cool. So a lot of ball clubs, when they have a actual like strict pitch count for the guy, they will not go over. They don't care if the guy's throwing a perfect in a game. So it's like walking in with a strategy against a bad shoe, and you get screwed. Yeah. I mean, they will, they will not let people go that far. If you have a strict well, pitch count, they don't care what you have. Well, for me, I, I go back to what uh, Herm Edwards used to say. You play to win the game. And that's that should be the strategy every time. And so if he could have mm -hmm. let him go, even if it's just one more inning, it should just finish up. Maybe it was just like ten more pitches, dude. He yeah, could have let him. Let him go one more inning. If he more... runs into trouble, I, then pull. I, him. I would have been that's okay with finishing yeah. the inning. Like I was fine with that part. But I'm just saying, like a lot of times these guys have a. But then the rules. flip side of that is, okay, what if if he would have let him pitch an extra inning? Well, and my Ramirez. bullpen sucks anyway. They still would have blown the game. So that's another argument that. All right, that. so if well, you get if you get two runners on, you can think about pulling them at that point. When you're putting in Jesse Hahn and Craig Collin for games, right. yeah, that's the thing. You're asking so, for the bullpen's yeah, so not great. Maybe that was Matheny's mentality. Well, my bullpen sucks anyway. They're going to give up runs. I might as well let them give up runs sooner rather than later. That's fine. That could be it too. Which is pretty sad that we have to talk like that, but that's how bad the pitching. I'm just saying. I this is my first case of Matheny, anyways, as a fan being unimpressed with his decision there. And I know it's early in the season, their strategy based around it, but uh, just be logical here. Go for the win. And, you know, we all talk about, like, you know, it's early in the season. Well, still every win matters. doesn't matter whether you get it now or later. Get it. Get the win. So, otherwise, I, I, I do four think and one sounds better be, than three and two. I do think he's going to be a good manager. He'll be fine. I hope so. like, I'm not Probably. sitting here. I'm not trying to shit on Mike Matheny. I think not he's going to be a good possibly even a great manager. Mm -hmm. I, I just disagree with him on this one yep. small yeah. point. I mean, I'm with you there. 100%. Everything happens. With you there, 100%. But uh, so you guys, now that we're going to move on from the Royals here for a second, so you guys apparently have a lot of NBA things to go over. Um, I know we have a little debate from the NBA as well, but I'm not ready for that, you guys. Uh, I, I think I need a breather. Guy, you, Jason, you need to let me know what's going on in the NBA. All right, so right now I'm sitting here looking at the score. We got the Brooklyn Nets versus the New Orleans Pelicans. There's uh, about 10 minutes left in the third quarter. It's 86 to 62. Uh, nobody's really interested in this game except for the fact that a guy by the name of Kevin Durant is finally back. So we've been waiting on this guy, it seems like, for six months. With no James Harden. Right, and at the same time, you got James Harden going out. I mean, he he went out the other day with a hamstring injury. He's going to be reevaluated in ten days. I think Harden's probably going to be out for a month because you got to take those hamstring, those soft tissue injuries seriously. I think you're not going to see James Harden for a month. But KD, finally, we're getting to see him in this game right now. 
Uh, looks like he has only played 10 minutes a game. He's got 12 points in 10 minutes. Uh, Blake Griffin's got 10 points in the game. My boy, LaMarcus Aldridge from the Spurs, yep. has played 16 minutes and has 16 points, guys. A lot of guys were saying, oh, oh this guy's, good. oh, he's washed up. He's washed up. I I'm pretty sure he's not washed up. So he's got 16. And then, oh, by the way, Kyrie Irving got 20 points in 20 minutes. Joe Harris is doing his thing. He's got uh, 11 points in the game. So what do you guys think about the Brooklyn Nets? And I, I just like the fact that uh, it sucks that James Harden got injured because he was on an MVP run. But uh, it's just it seems like clockwork with this team because you had Kyrie Irving sat out several games because of uh, he was doing like a, some sort of a political protest, I think. So he was out for a while, and everybody was like, oh, my gosh, when's Kyrie going to play? Then all of a sudden, okay, when's KD going to play? And now it's just like clockwork. So these guys are on a rotation. Meanwhile, like they've got a very high seed in the Eastern Conference right now. They've got a great record. It's like all three guys don't need to play together. It's okay. They don't care until the playoffs start. No. So now all of a sudden you've got Harden out. And really, nobody cares. I don't care. You know why? Because they're going to keep winning because Kevin Durant is back. Well, I think it's good for the Nets. So since James Harden came into play, um, obviously they haven't really played much at all, really, with each other. But Kyrie and Durant, since Harden got traded to the Nets, their actually record together is 0-1. That's literally how much they've played together. Yeah, Since so you're you're saying that they suck when they play together. Yeah, apparently right? they're awful. <laughs> that's a terrible. Like that's that's right awful. There. No, so like they have so much more chemistry to build, um, especially when James Harden gets in. But obviously, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving need to use this time to be able to build that relationship, uh, not just with themselves but with the team. But yeah, it's it's gonna be an insane here once they're all healthy playoffs. Yeah, I mean it's they're in such a great situation because we're sitting here. It's April seventh. And the playoffs don't even start until May the 22nd. Yeah. So you could literally sit Harden out for a month just to play it safe. And then if those three guys come back at full strength, I mean, God help the rest of the team in the NBA. Because right now, the Brooklyn, Net, Brooklyn Nets have the best record in the Eastern Conference. They're tied for the best record in the East. And so, well, I mean, this this is not going to be... It's not going to be an interesting playoff series. I don't believe it's going to be interesting because I'm not a big believer in the Lakers right now. You know, you got LeBron and AD. They're both injured at the same time. Uh, one of them is going to come back rusty. I don't think LeBron ever comes back rusty, but yeah. AD, is, AD is probably going to come I back like rusty. I'd see a rusty LeBron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would too. So, I mean... To me, if I'm looking at this right now, and I think we alluded to this a little bit on last week's show, I, I don't necessarily see the Lakers getting out of the West because I just don't know what's going to happen when those guys come back. I, I definitely put the Lakers in the mix, but I do want to talk about a little bit about uh, what's going on with the Clippers right now because they had a couple of pickups in DeMarcus Cousins and Rajon Rondo. And so... I thought those were interesting pickups because when we looked at their roster at the beginning of the year, it just, it wasn't, I, I didn't really care. I mean, cause we were, we were so like drawn into what the Lakers and Nets were doing. We didn't really care about the Clippers roster, but now I'm looking at how they've got Boogie Cousins and Boogie Cousins isn't that old. He's only 30 years old. If he can just stay healthy. Clearly, just stay healthy. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, you know, another guy that needs to stay healthy is Rondo. He's 35 years old. But I'm just saying if, if both of those guys can stay healthy, all of a sudden you're sitting there with two former All-Stars, Boogie Cousins, Rondo, you got Nick Batum, Pat Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, Marcus yeah. Morris. You got a pretty pretty awesome roster there and i think that roster would match up pretty well especially with the lakers and so to me if i'm looking at lakers clippers and jazz i feel like you could flip a, a coin and e any one of those three teams 
could win the West right now. Is that how you see it, Tanner? You're, I mean, you're. I know you don't like them, but you're really disrespecting two other teams that are right there in the chase. My disrespecting. You're disrespecting the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, they're not going to win. Denver Nuggets are about to overtake the Clippers. They're they're like Peyton Manning back in the get in the day. They are great well, regular season teams, Mike. You know well, what I'm we, talking we about. We know all about that. We know about Peyton Manning, great regular season quarterback. That's what's going on with maybe, the Suns. Maybe the the best regular season quarterback of all time. Suns and the Nuggets. And like I said before, I appreciate what the Nuggets did in adding Aaron Gordon. He's not going to be a game changer. He he might be a game changer next year or the year after that, but he's still getting acclimated to yeah. his new team, and he's not going to be a difference maker when they get into the playoffs. I'm telling you, they might make it to the second round, but they're not going to be they're not going to beat any of the three teams I just mentioned. There's, There's no way in hell, not in a seven game series. I don't know. I mean, the only guy that's in the MVP race that can stay on the court consistently is Jokic. So, like. That's what I'm saying. But anyways, if I had to go off what you provided, right? So the Jazz, the Clips, Lakers. Um, obviously, it all depends on LeBron if he comes back or not. LeBron comes back, they'll take care of business. They'll they'll run the West. Yeah. But does he come back healthy? Enough? Well, LeBron's going to be fine. What I have a problem with is LeBron coming back 100%. And AD coming back either rusty or only 80%. Because you never know what you're going to get out of AD. I mean, when he's 100% healthy, he's a stud. I mean, he's a top five player in the NBA. But I don't know how healthy he's going to be. And if I'm making a bet right now, I'm going to bet with his injury history that he's not going to be 100% all the way through the playoffs. I'd almost bet that he doesn't come. At all? At all. You're talking regular season or I'm in talking the... including the playoffs. I bet you the way it is right now. I think there'll be more talk of him actually coming back. I have a feeling this injury is probably more than what we're hearing, aka why we're not hearing those talks from anybody. And I don't think the guy comes back for the play. Well, that's interesting because they're gonna be in a world of hurt. I mean, if you don't have A D, then that's we're gonna take the Lakers completely out of the conversation. Well, how do you guys because... feel about the upcoming schedule for the Lakers? Have you guys looked into that? Because it is not looking pretty. Um, they'll be visiting four straight East playoff teams in a row. Miami Heat, Thursday. Brooklyn Nets, Saturday. New York Knicks. And then Charlotte Hornets after that. So that's a big stretch right there. And I don't know that those guys will be back and ready to go between AD and LeBron. Um, so it's just it's going to be a rough stretch for the Lakers sitting at four and six in the last it's, ten games. It's, it's going to be rough for the Lakers all the way around. You don't have Drummond. You don't have LeBron. You don't have AD. You just signed Macklemore, Ben Macklemore, because you need another shooter. Well, so Drummond is expected back on Thursday, so we'll, he's expected to at least come back. But as far as the other ones, the, the main two pieces that we care about here between AD and LeBron. You, you don't have I LeBron, don't you're not doing nothing. I agree with that. Yeah, I, I would say that if they drop really far down in the standings, we do have, oh, man. you know, yeah. we are going to have play-ins. In case you guys don't know that, we are going to have play-ins in the NBA yep. this year, which is a little bit interesting, although when I looked at the rules, I thought they were kind of stupid. Um, so you're going to have a 7-10 game, kind of like in the NCAA tournament. You're going to have an 8-9 series. And so, I mean, even if Anthony Davis is not there, I mean, if you got LeBron James, I don't care what seat they get, they're going to find a way yeah. to make it into the playoffs. So I, I'm well, not worried about them getting in. But, I have a question for you guys. Then I'm gonna play a quick, quick little game on this. Which would, which of these three teams jumps the Lakers in the standings in the coming next two weeks? Trailblazers, yes or no? Uh yes. Okay, Mavericks. No. No. And Grizzlies. No. Okay, so just Trailblazers is gonna I'll, jump. I'll go. I'll go Blazers for sure. Mavericks have won five in a row. So yeah, that's that's no, a team Mavericks to watch are out for. Playing well, but they're. I don't think they'll jump the Lakers. Okay. With yeah. those injuries, I'm just curious to see how that's going to turn out. I think the Nuggets get to a three seed. Come MVP. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I know where you're coming from, Tanner, with that uh, the Anthony <laughs> Davis injury because it is a calf. So well, they were that, talking Achilles at one point, too, it, which it could worries be, me, too. It could be both. Like a combination, right? But, I mean, it's it's similar to the Kevin Durant injury on Golden State. I mean, yeah. eventually they're going to let the guy play because they have nothing to lose. They've got to start back, winning though? games. Didn't you learn? No, you don't have to rush him back, but I'm just saying, like, if you're, let's just say, and you're, you're in the seven ten 
game and LeBron wins that. Yeah. So now all of a sudden you're playing against, oh, I don't know, just pick a team. You're playing in the first round. What's going to happen if the Lakers are down like two games to nothing because AD's not in there? You're going to bring AD back because you... it's the same thing with KD. Yeah. KD was not 100%. They brought him back anyway because they had nothing to lose. If he tears so, his Achilles, then who cares? He's going to be out a year anyway, but we're going to lose anyway. Uh, I think I think teams have actually learned from that, and that's the big thing is, and hey, we don't want another KD event going on through the finals just because we're trying to get that one win. Obviously, you'd rather lose a guy through the rest of this year, if you know, like the way it's looking right now, versus a whole entire year. Yeah, well, one positive thing I will throw out there for all you Lakers fans is that Mark Gasol has actually been putting up some numbers of late. Uh, his last game, he put up 13, 9, and 5, and he had four blocks. And the previous game, he made three three-pointers. And so Mark Gasol is a guy that hasn't really shown up yet in the season, so that might be a positive sign for you Lakers fans out there as you continue to go through this stretch with no LeBron and no AD. Yeah, that's very true there. I mean, Gasol right now, maybe it was an eye-opener with Andre Drummond coming over. And he's like, well, obviously I know my role. And he's already said he's fully committed for it. But maybe that was an eye-opener for him. Be like, well, I need to start performing or else I may not be on this team. All right. So, Mike, it's time to get you involved a little bit here. Um, what do you got for we're gonna me, start. Then? We're going to go back, talk a little Brooklyn Nets. But we're going to make it a little interesting here. Because uh, an interesting argument that I've been hearing about is which player is better and also which player would you rather have on your team? And the two players that we're going to discuss right now are Kyrie Irving hmm. and Damian Lillard. And so before we start this discussion, you got to be thinking about a lot of things. So we want to talk about availability, talk about skill level, and if you want to, we can talk about rings. But about rings, but... I ain't worried um, about rings. Which, so which guy... Is better who's the better player and which guy would you rather have on your team well we could talk about rings but in this case when it's one to zero it's not as relevant to me uh in this case we saw what Kyrie had with him at the time when he won his championship Damian Lillard sits at zero um as of right now and these guys are basically the same age same exact height and weight I mean very similar players as far as that goes uh but their skill sets also I think have some differing things about themselves uh, I personally, in a one-game type of situation, would take Kyrie Irving over Damian Lillard in this case. Uh, I like the field goal percentage he's put up consistently over time. Uh, he's sitting at a career of 469 field goal percentage, which is a big thing to me. And then three-point percentage is 390. So uh, those are both over what Damian Lillard's put up at this point. Now, we're talking about availability, obviously. You know, Damian Lillard's been consistent, really doesn't miss games. Uh, so I think that's a that's a big thing to factor in in his sake anyway. But um, I think defensively, Lord's probably better uh, when you look at things that way. Uh, the steals, Kyrie's got him on that by far. Uh, I just it's one of those things where I think you got to look at the situation because if I was to put up a put up a roster right now and build a team, I'm gonna take Damian Lillard to be my guy. I'll pick him to be my player to build around. But if I needed to win right now one game. I'll take Kyrie Irving every time. So it's a weird thing to think about it that way, but um, I think on the court, Kyrie is actually a better player. So that's my take on that. Oh, okay. Well, I obviously want the best closer in the game. best One of the best players out there that's dedicated to their team that doesn't want a 900-player super team to be able to win championships. Don't want to be led by the best player in the league. So I'm going to go with Damian Lillard. Um, the guy, obviously, you've seen his art, his his work, right? Every time he's in the playoffs, he's the guy shooting ten steps, maybe fifteen steps from three point line, and just banking it to finish the games out. Uh, Damian Lillard has that mental attitude. The guy does not want extra help. Like he, Lamarcus Aldridge, he wanted him to stay to help, dedicate it. But at the same time, he was he wasn't gonna be like, all right, well, I'm gonna go to a new team. No, he got. TJ McCollum came over, and um, they've been rolling since. So, uh, yes, they don't have the rings, 
but they're also having to play against these super teams that are being developed. Kyrie Irving had to have LeBron James come in to win a championship. Kyrie Irving couldn't do it with the Celtics. Uh, and Kyrie Irving needed now KD, James Harden, ETC, ETC for the Nets. So I want to go Lillard just for the fact that he can command a team. Um, and he, guy is a general. Plain and simple. He is a general, and the guy can shoot and all. Like, is that everything that I want to see? Okay, so you're you're taking Dame Lillard for both arguments as the best player and yes the the team that you want or yes. the guy that you want to build your team. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to agree with Mike on this because Dame Lillard, as far as availability, God, I mean the guy. He's there every day. He he never gets injured. Um, my only complaint with him is really compare him to a guy like Kyrie Irving. Is the efficiency is not there. So he's 44% field goal percentage, whereas Kyrie shoots 51%. And so Kyrie is a little bit more efficient, better overall scorer. Um, Kyrie is a better ball handler. Uh, Mike talked about the fact that he does get uh, a few more steals per game, but Kyrie also doesn't turn the ball over. She turns the ball over about twice a game. Dame Lillard's about three times a game. That stuff matters. So Kyrie's a little bit more efficient. But the most important thing to me, so I agree with you, Mike. If I'm if I'm building a team, I'm taking Dame Lillard. Yeah, because you want you want that consistent base to your team, and Lillard's going to provide that for you. Because the guy does a lot of things well. Obviously, I mean the guy's a great shooter. Uh, he's he's decent, good defensively. You know, he's got a lot of good attributes, of course. Consistent. He's going to be on the court every game. Uh, I just think Kyrie kind of adds an it factor to a team a little bit different from what Lillard provides. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I see what Tanner's saying, too, though. Kyrie was on a super team at one point. So, I mean. What are you out point? He's still on <laughs> super teams. It's all he's been on. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. So, you think Kevin Love. Is that Kevin Love? We're defining a super team as a team that has Kevin Love. Yes. Okay. At that time, yeah. So Kevin Love was a superstar. He was a superstar. Okay. Well, maybe he went before he came to Cleveland. He was a superstar. No, he was a superstar the year he came to Cleveland to win a championship. But during the year, I think Kevin Love wasn't really during the championship year. I don't think so at all. Get the hell out. I think he got there as a superstar and ended up kind of underperforming. Because nah, it was LeBron's dude. show at that point. All right. So, like yeah, I said, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm building a team right now, I'm going with Dame time all yeah, day long. it is Dame time. But if we're talking about who the best player is right now, dude, it's not even close. The guy that's you know leading what? this team. Who, who won? Who single-handedly won the NBA Finals in 2016? LeBron James. I don't think so. I know you think it's Kyrie, but... Who gets the ball in the clutch? gets the ball in the clutch? Who gets it in the clutch because of that Who situation? Who got the ball in the clutch in 2013 when LeBron threw up a brick and the rebound came out? Because to, uh, LeBron Ray put Allen. them in that situation. So did Ray Allen win that championship back in 2013? No. Did he hit the clutch shot no. that won that series? He got them where they needed to be, but okay, he, so LeBron, LeBron also made it. That, that was the situation at the time. All right. So you're saying LeBron won that series with the Heat and he also won the 2016 Series when With Kyrie hit the game-winning shot. Correct. So you gave me all the credit to LeBron, even though he throws up bricks when the game's on the line. Yeah. Okay. It's all, all, all LeBron. All right. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree on that. I'm going with Kyrie as the best player, and I'll take it one step further. If you're talking pound for pound, I know we don't talk a lot of boxing on this show, and a lot of people don't understand that. But if we're going pound for pound, Kyrie is a better player He's a more skilled player than LeBron James. What do you guys think? Uh, no. You're dumbfounded. Not, no, dude. You're just dumbfounded I that just I even said that, I can't believe right? you just said that. I'm not dumbfounded because I know you'll see. But, but Kyrie's not bigger, faster, stronger, but he's a more skilled basketball player. He can get his own like, shot. More skilled for his shot. No, Is that what dude. you're trying to say? He, he hits, not. Dude, he hit the game-winning shot in 2016. The game was on the because line. Because everybody was on fucking. I mean, could we? Could no, we? Could we also? LeBron didn't want that. I, shot, I, I'm not dude. a fan of the pound for pound analogy. I know what you're what you're saying from there, but like that's like saying, you know, let's say, you know, Darren Sproles is better running back than Derrick Henry because pound for pound, <laughs> you know, Sproles okay. was more athletic than Derrick Henry. 
Well, Which I don't fine. know if that's really true. I mean, that's fine. it's a big I, running back. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But who would you want to have the ball in their hands to hit the game-winning shot? Would you rather have LeBron James in 2013 or would you have Ray Allen? Would you rather have LeBron James in 2016 or would you rather have Kyrie Irving hit well, that game-winning shot? We know how LeBron's performed in, Ray in Allen. previous history of his championship games. Well, yeah, we don't want to go back to 2012 if that's what you're talking about. Anything I mean, oh, that and previous was long. ugly. So all that was ugly before that too. I'm sorry, 2011. 2011. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Single-handedly lost I, that championship. I won't say Kyrie's ah, better pound for pound There's by any means, but I, I I understand what you're trying to say, but uh, I still got to give LeBron the credit for his due of being a top 10 NBA player of all time. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm just throwing a hot take out there, guys. I don't really believe that because you, <laughs> you actually have to you have to throw in defense and mix. And Kyrie, I mean, although he gets quite a few steals per game, not the I wouldn't call him the best defender in the league. And we all know that LeBron, whenever he decides to play defense, he's a stud on defense. Yeah. So pound for pound, yeah, obviously I'm going with Le- LeBron. I just want to try to piss a few, few of you people out. Piss. Piss some people off out there. That's what I'm trying to get. Oh, man. I swear. <laughs> I swear piss, a, piss them out, Jason. Piss them I'm out. I'm pissing them out, dude. Piss them out. That's great. <laughs> wow. You guys you guys get your um, climax of your NBA talk out? I feel good about no, it. No, I'm ready to go another round. Tanner, what you got? <laughs> what you got for me? Who's, who is MVP favorite now? MVP favorite? That's yeah. true. We talked about it last week. Oh, that's a great. Because it's not Harden right now. Harden's sitting on the bench for possibly ten days to a month. I mean, at this point, you you have to swing it back to Embiid because. Oh my lord! No, his I injury. I'm not doing joking. Because Embiid, his injury was not that serious. He wasn't out for very long. He was out for way. Jokic's never been out. Never been out, and now he's about to hit three seed. I know, but I'm just saying the sports writers. Vote on this shit. So if you're a sports writer, oh who are you gonna, who's the better player, Mike? I'm asking you. Is it you. Jokic or is it you. Joel Embiid? I'm asking who would you, you. rather guard, Mike, one on one? I'm not asking Skip. I'm gonna go with Embiid. I'm gonna go with Embiid on that. Exactly. Embiid is a better player. I mean, he hits daggers from downtown. He's the guy's absolute... the guy's only getting better, by the way. I mean, he, the guy the guy's on the rise. Like, the only thing. You know I mean? the, the, okay, so I will give you this. The only thing to me that Jokic is better at than Embiid is passer. A much better passer than Embiid. But if you're talking about shooting threes, scoring, rebounding, just being a beast and throwing people around in the blocks, I mean, Embiid is, he would dominate pretty much everybody that you throw up against So if Embiid does not get the one seed in the East, is he still MVP? I mean, right now they're tied. So, I mean, if it ended right now. Yeah, so the Nets take it over. Okay, let's just say the season ended right now. I'm giving it to Joel Embiid. That's that's just crazy. Well, who, so you got Jokic, right? I, I got the guy that's been there who's brought his team from, what, seven seed? Or what, what were we, eight, seven seed when we talked about this the first time? He's now going to be soon be a three seed after the Clippers lose. Um, and, like, the guy. Oh, Clippers aren't going to lose, dude. They just added Boogie. They added Boogie Cousins. and Rondo. I love that Cousins. Point, uh, <laughs> uh, PG says uh, Cousins has a lot left in the tank. Obviously, we know that. But, uh, uh, dude, the Nuggets about to be a three seed. And you said if, the, if they get to the three seed in the in the West. No, I think I said they've got no. to get to the two. No, they they've to got three. to get to the two because guess what? Guess who's tied for number one in the East? It's That's Philly and Brooklyn. So if they're tied for number one, Jokic has to at least get to that number two spot to get himself no. into this discussion now because now he's got Aaron Gordon. Next week. They just brought in another ne- star player, Aaron that, Gordon, to help him out. Next we're going to say they have to get to a one seed. They just brought in Aaron Gordon, dude. No, they, if, if he's got more help, he's got to get to that number two seed or he's not, he's not going to be in the discussion. They're not going to give the MVP to the third seed of the Western Conference. So you're looking at Joel Embiid, who still has a lot left to do to catch up from being. He wasn't out left. that long, dude. He was out for a few weeks. Well, like two weeks, a week and a half. That's uh, how, when is Jokic being out? He wasn't. He wasn't. It doesn't matter. He he's wasn't. Not, he's not a better player. Embiid uh, is a better player. Uh, all right. All right, you buffoons. You ready to switch it over real quick? Yeah, let's. I want to talk it. some goddamn Chiefs. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, you guys, guess what? It is that time of the week where I'm going to sit here and talk with you guys 
about a favorite prospect I have on the hook that could potentially be on the Chiefs' radar leading up to the draft on April 29th with the 31st pick overall. Uh, this would be a guy I don't think either one of you two have heard of, but you might be surprised. It is a cornerback, as a matter of fact. Um, now, you guys might be thinking, like, wait a minute, quarterback? Cornerback? We already have Legereus Sneed. We already have Ward still on the roster. I mean, right now, the corners look like they could have a lot of potential, uh, but I also see two of those veterans potentially leaving very, very soon. Um, so I think it'd be good to always add depth at corner and always have sufficient players because I remember back a few years ago, back in 2016, I was watching a Chiefs versus uh, Broncos game, and uh, Jamel Fleming was on the field because of injuries to cornerback. And he was getting torched by Peyton Manning. And that was not a very fun game for me to experience as a fan. And so when that was going on, I was like, man, if we just had depth at corner, that'd be freaking wonderful. Well, this is a guy right here that would add depth for the moment initially, who would be a superstar down the road uh, long term when we're looking at pushing out some of the old and entering in some more of the new. And also, we could also move Legereus Sneed to some kind of a safety position at some point if we felt the need to because of the addition of this guy right here. So my player in mind is Kelvin Joseph, cornerback out of Kentucky. He is 6 feet tall, 197 pounds. He's only 20 years old, you guys. He was actually, went to, he was actually from Louisiana. He was the number two prospect in the entire state, a four-star recruit from Louisiana. And LSU signed him initially. And he was there for one year, broke up one pass, had a little issue, he ended up transferring over to Kentucky, replayed a full season. Keep in mind, this is a redshirt sophomore. So at 20 years old, obviously a young dude. Birthday is November 11th, so that means even halfway through the season, he'll still be 20 years old, which is extremely young for the NFL's sake. But this is a guy that can step in from day one and make plays. He's a playmaker. The guy ran a 4-3-4 at his pro day, which is absolutely phenomenal. Any guys that can run a 4-3, uh, that's, that's an elite number right there. Um, and also he did well versus Devontae Smith from Alabama. The Heisman winner, Devontae Smith. Um, during that game against Alabama, as a matter of fact, he was targeted three times, had one interception while guarding Devontae Smith, and two pass breakups. So if that tells you anything, I mean, he did his job in the end of that. Basically prototypical as far as the size, height, weight, speed. Um, he's got a little edge, he's got confidence, he knows he's good kind of deal. Um, he's got good ball skills, had four interceptions, um, just fast, good run support. The guy's not afraid to tackle. We don't have a Marcus Peters on our hands here by any means. Let him go um, by. Let him so go by. I think I think the guy's got a lot of development that's going to make him a superstar in the league. And at 20 years old, and if the Chiefs, with a staff like Andy Reid's, gets lashed onto him, uh, this guy's going to be a superstar for a long, long time. And we'll be seeing a tandem of maybe Legereus Need with him for the next, you know, five to six years at least before something happens, you know. You never know. The main weakness, though, with this dude is that he is a little inexperienced, obviously, um, coming coming, and switching over. He didn't play every game, not due to injuries, but due to a little bit of off-the-field things or, you know, things like that. Uh, every once in a while, he bites on a fake. But, you know, those are things that can be trained out of you over time uh, with a little bit of coaching with Andy Reid. So I just think this would be a great addition to the team. And I'm not sure who you guys are really wanting or what kind of position you guys are wanting, but is cornerback something that you guys are surprised I'm looking at right now? Because I think you can never have too many good cornerbacks on your team. No, we've seen the history of our cornerbacks, and and uh, if we don't resign certain guys, we see the issues come into play. So I'd love, I'd love a drafted corner. Oh, real, real quick, Mike, what round is he projected to go into? Uh, due to two, let's say uh, Daniel Jeremiah has a list out there on his exact list, him from NFL Network. Um, he's projected to actually be at the late first, early second round okay. as of right now. And I think a guy with that kind of height, weight, speed, athletic ability uh, is going to be taken somewhere in the back of the first round. He actually does have him pre predicted to be right now as his 50th player overall on the entire board. So if you take every position, every player, he's 50th. But if you insert a little more of the potential and the need from certain certain teams, you can rise them up the board. And uh, this is a guy I think that people need to be looking for. And if you can lock down Devontae Smith on your side of the field, the Heisman winner, the Heisman winner, then that tells me you're onto something. You got some good talent there. Yeah, I mean, sign me up right now. I mean, I agree with you totally. You can never have too many good corners, yeah. especially if you're going to bring a stud onto your team. And I'm all about, 
I don't care about positions. I want to get the best player available. And yeah. if, that, if that's who you're telling me that might yeah. be the best available at the time, sign me up right now. I'll take him all day long. Take him yeah, I, I absolutely think he'll be – actually, he's ranked 45th by Daniel Jeremiah, by the way. But um, I actually do think that he could be the best player available at that spot. And I'm all about that as well because I'm willing to trade away someone or some some veteran corner who wants to make money and get paid. Let him walk. Let's keep this rookie for five years on the team, four or five years, and pay him what rookies get paid, as we know, is not nearly what veterans get anymore, um, and get better value. And that way we have more money to use for other aspects of the team. So, you know, we'll see how things play out, obviously. But this is a guy to watch for. If he ends up on a team like the Broncos or, you know, Chargers or Raiders, I'm not going to be very happy because this is a guy that stood out to me by watching a few games, as well as picking up on some of his pro day workouts um, and just the history of him in general. The dude looks like a playmaker, so I think there's something special on the hands here. That all day. Somebody? Oh, go. I think so. I actually have this gut feeling that just feels like one of the drafts that the Chiefs draft, uh, actually trade back. Obtain uh, another third and a fifth. Right. Just feel, it just feels like that, where there's not really a particular trading person. Trading out of the first. They'll trade out of the first and get another third and another fifth. Well, the other option there, Tanner, obviously, is that the Chiefs still need to figure out their offensive tackle situation. Yep. You need to add more depth. There's a guy out there, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. He's their left tackle. Um, I've watched some tape on him. Big, six foot six, 312 pounds. Um, the problem I have with him is he's, he bites too easily on the fakes from defensive ends. And some of the edge rushers coming through like that, uh, the guy moves inside, his, his, his weight starts leaning one way, and sorry against those fast edge rushers like we went over last week with that Jason away, uh, that guy's going to destroy him on the outside. So Alex Leatherwood is a guy that people have been throwing around his name because he went to Alabama, he's a left tackle, would fit the need. Um, but when I watch him on tape, I'm like, man, Okay, big guy, but I don't know if I see him being a, a dominant force and reliable force for what uh, our obviously our protecting our quarterback Patrick Mahomes is going to take. So uh, he's not my favorite guy. I think I talked about with you guys last week about my Liam uh, Eichenbach. Eichenbach was his name. Um, that's the guy that I like the most as far as tackles right now. So uh, we'll see how it plays. Obviously, we have another three weeks coming up before the draft. We'll be hosting a Sports Buffoons show here on the Wednesday, the day before the draft, as yep. a matter of fact. So that'll be great and exciting to be able to do that. And I don't know, maybe we can throw something together, you guys, where at least Tanner and I can talk during the draft with you guys, do some kind of a live chat during the draft. Would be very, very fun to do. Yeah, if we can work that out. Probably won't work. All right. He's he's already letting me down. Because it's uh, also my anniversary now. Oh, my gosh. Every year, Tanner. Why does this happen? Can you move the anniversary, please? <laughs> no, Mike, you can just change it to me, and I'll show up, and I'll just sit there and talk NBA while you're talking about the draft. That'll piss you off a little bit, right? No, let's just say this. Last year, I was not very proud of myself because I texted some friends some inappropriate things, and that does not like me at all, right, Tanner? Uh, not at all, dude. That would never yeah, do that. Yeah, we, we, can't, we can't do that this year. Nope, we're not doing that this year. That was, well, that was pretty we're special. We're also not quarantined. That's true. We're fine. We were quarantined, and I was drunk, and things happened, which I don't do any of those things anymore. I'm free and wild and never drunk. So. Oh yeah, ever. Yep. So, any final thoughts, you guys? Oh yeah, we got plenty of those. So okay. we got uh, 7:07 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Brooklyn Nets throwing the Pelicans 126-92. But the most important thing I can point out is that Kevin Durant in 19 minutes, he is five out of five, has not missed a shot. He is two out of two from three-point land. He's got 17 points, five assists, seven rebounds. So Kevin Durant is back. He has not missed a single shot, and he's already balling out of control. Oh, by the way, LaMarcus Aldridge has 22 points. Kyrie Irving has 24. And uh, basically, you've got the Nets. You've got the Nets sitting there with no James Harden firing on all cylinders. So basically, all I have to say about that is that you guys are NBA fans out there. You might as well just stop watching because uh, the championship has already been decided right here and right now. We just decided it on. Go ahead and give the trophy to the Nets. Uh, I will throw out, though, that uh, Eric Bledsoe on the Pelicans. Has- you guys think Eric Bledsoe is a superstar or is this an anomaly? Um, he, he's no superstar. All right. Yeah, I think Lonzo Ball is better. 
But uh, Lonzo, he's got to put in a little bit more work to show his skill set a little bit better. I mean, I want to see more from Lonzo. I want to see more from Lamelo too. That's a different. Well, Lamelo's got to be on the court. So. He's got to be on the court. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but he might still win. You never ever know. Well, I want to thank you all for following us out there. Those of you that are still hanging out with us. Um, if you're not, well, that's crappy. You guys suck. So uh, those of you that are, we love you very, very much. And continue to follow us at Sports Buffoons on Twitter and obviously on Spotify. Add us on there as well. I love listening or following you guys on Spotify and uh, getting in with you that way because we do a lot of edits on there every once in a while. So we'll spice it up a bit. It's a little bit different from watching our YouTube live video here on Facebook and all the other good stuff like Twitch and all that. So uh, with that said, I guess you guys – and uh, I will see you all on the next one. See you guys. See you guys.